The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, this is Alexis Haynes, and welcome to Recovering from Reality, where I illuminate the messy and magical path of coming home to yourself. Whether you're on the road to recovery, seeking self-care techniques for surviving the capitalist machine, or just need a moment to remember that you're not alone in your loneliness, we're serving up the ultimate truth. Your challenges don't define you. How you deal with them does. So, are you ready to recover from reality? Labels flatten us, you know? I mean, they they help us create community, they help us find community, but they also flatten us. I believe that we all contain multitudes. Mm-hmm. Um, and as, as much as it, it's great for me to claim a term like asexual or queer or non-binary, it doesn't really get to the root of who I am. And it doesn't really take into account like the flexibility, the mutability of everything that I am. That was a quick clip from this week's episode with Evian Whitney. You guys were diving into sex again. And you're like, why are we talking about sex again, Alexis? Because it's important. Because healing our sexual trauma, healing our beliefs around sex and having good sex fucking matters, you guys. It does. And I ask you to question anything (laughs) that um, tells you that it's wrong or dirty to think that or that it doesn't really matter or that you're not worthy of good quality, amazing sex. And I know that for me, I've said on the podcast before, like the final piece of me healing my um, sexual abuse was reclaiming my sexuality. And while that's so true, the truth is that like, I am still not done unpacking and healing, right? My beliefs around sex. Evian is a sexuality doula, which I think is so interesting. I've never heard that term before, probably because she coined it. And as a fellow doula, I am so here for that. I think that it is brilliant. And don't we all need that? Like the the doula is typically a female, although there are male doulas and non-binary doulas, of course. But the role is to become a support person to really like hold your hand and provide you with physical and emotional comfort as you do the toughest thing in the world, which there are uh, birth doulas and there's also death doulas and there's sexuality doulas now or a sexuality doula, which is Evian because she's the only one that I know of. And she really is doing the tough work, right? Like unpacking our beliefs around sex and around our sexual desire is not easy. Sex is literally, it is, (laughs) it is so important. I think it's unfortunate that it is something that is so taboo. Speaking of taboo, I had this really big epiphany moment as I was getting ready to sit down with Evian for the podcast. And they they were so patient with me as I like rambled it into the mic. But then I was like, we're cutting all of that because none of that made sense. And I'm going to re-say it in my intro. And I still feel like, you know, do you ever have this where you have a thought that 
is so like it makes sense in your head, but then when you try to communicate it, it doesn't make sense. But bear with me here because this is important. Follow my trail, uh, my train of thought here. Okay. So the first question is, what are my beliefs around sex? Right. Um, That I'm unworthy of good sex, that, you know, it's about pleasing my partner, not pleasing myself, that my body is not my own, um, that it is like just to make babies or only for pleasure or whatever it might be, whatever your beliefs are, write them all down. Right. That's what I did. And then, um, and then I had to ask myself, okay, like where are the origins of these beliefs? And I had to look back on my childhood and the messages that I got from my parents, which were of course really fucked up. And then the messages I got from all my sexual abuse, which was, you know, real fucked up. And then the messages from friends, right. Um, and then eventually partners that I had as I began exploring sexually. And then of course, from society, right. And that led me to the question after all of that unpacking of like, okay, but where does society get these messages from? How long has the message that sex outside of heteronormative sex that is usually not very pleasurable for women, how, where did that message come from? And what is its purpose? Because as someone who is sexually liberated and really in touch with her wild and free divine feminine, I can see how that would be a dangerous thing if all women were like that. And so I sat down with Evan as I was unpacking my amazing spouse who is a history buff. And I said, where did this come from? help me figure it out. And he's like, oh, okay. So he goes on this whole tangent and, you know, me and my ADD brain, I have a hard time retaining that information. But a few of the things he said really stuck. So pre-agriculture, right? So we're only talking like, I don't know, a thousand years. This wasn't such a thing. And it really wasn't just agriculture. It was the fact that that was around the time that we started building cities and walls, Why are walls important? Because the idea, as we as a species begin to become more complex in our language, the wall symbolized otherness. So we started to other each other around that time, right? So we started to separate people based on their ethnicity and their gender, right? And as a result of that, the beginning of kind of this patriarchy emerged. And then about 500 years ago, there was this situation that happened in Babylon that was like a huge cultural moment. And then like the birth of the church, right, which was an effort to control as there became, as the population began to explode based off of this new technology. We no longer had to be hunter-gatherers, right? We didn't have to hunt and gather as much anymore. And so the population began to grow. And how do we control the people? Oh, through the messaging, right? And what's so interesting is um, 
predating all of that for about 25,000 years, according to some researchers, before we began worshiping a sky god or a male figure. We worshiped women, goddesses. (laughs) And then over time, you know, with the witch trials and, and culturally, we began to outcast women who we believed were sexually deviant or who were not monogamous or who were not faithful or who had sex out of wedlock or were not virgins or whatever. And it really just perpetuated throughout Western society, which is no longer really Western society anymore. I mean, it's like the Western beliefs have pretty much taken over the world. And so what we've had now is thousands of years of patriarchy (laughs) which have suppressed women to the point now where we're literally on the verge of like a handmaid's tale situation here in the U.S. with the suppression of women's rights and bodily autonomy. And so, wow, like when you trace through the history of that and you really go, God, the collective psyche of women... (laughs) has to have been impacted, right? And the danger and the fear that arises out of really of everyone, of all genders, because it's interesting when I talk about sex and sexual liberation and having amazing, pleasurable sex and what that looks like for me, it's like even for us, for women, a lot of women feel some type of way about that. And so... The questions that I encourage you to ask yourself again are, what are my beliefs around sex? Where did they come from? Are they true for me or not? Can I explore this further? Am I willing to unpack this? What would it look like if I was having quality sex? What would the ultimate sex life look like for me? Asking yourself these questions matter, right? It's important to do so. So in this episode, we're talking about sex. And I encourage you to stay, even if you're uncomfortable, because sitting in the discomfort often leads to growth. So with that, here's Evian Whitney. And I hope you guys have a great week. The work you're doing is so important. Mm. And I know that for me on my journey of healing, reclaiming my sexuality was that final piece that I needed to get me back to wholeness. Mm. And so before we dive into the work you do, would you mind giving the audience a little bit of a background on how you got into this work? Yeah, it's it's a really interesting story. I mean, I'll first start by saying that I've been doing this work for almost 11 years. So my journey has really <laughs> happened in so many different ways, lots of twists and turns. Of course. But it really started, I mean, Talking about repression, it started with me realizing how repressed I was in my sexuality. And I had that repression for a long time. I grew up in a church setting, so I grew up in purity culture. I signed my first purity contract when I was eight. And so having that as like the sort of milestone 
of my sexuality, I think it just really set the tone for even who who I am today, you know? I still have a lot of unlearning to do with purity culture. Purity culture was a big part of my story when it came to my sexuality. And, um, you know, I feel like because of the ways that I wasn't talked to about sex, for me, it was very much like don't have sex until you're married and specifically don't have sex until you're married to a man. And like anything before that is just like off limits. Like you're not allowed to explore your sexual identity as like a regular human being offset from this relationship. It was it was almost as though like my sexuality was only going to be activated when I was in a relationship with someone else, particularly by a man. Like the orgasms, the bliss, the sexual autonomy and sexual confidence, like that wasn't even a part of the picture until I was supposed to be married. And so having that kind of as a story and realizing as well that like my sexuality wasn't something that was just lying dormant and going to be awakened when I got married. Like, I mean, I was masturbating when I was three. And I mean, obviously there wasn't a sexual connotation about it. It That's was just- very natural. Yeah, it's it's a very it's a very natural thing for kids to touch themselves. For me, mm-hmm. it was about self-soothing. It wasn't mm-hmm. about getting myself off, right? So it was it was this weird juxtaposition of being told that my sexuality is a sin and I'm not allowed to have it while also feeling a lot of feelings in my body, a lot of like having curiosities about who I wanted to be as well as like the pleasure that my body experiences. So getting into my <laughs> my older years, I mean, I didn't, the purity contract didn't stick. I, I had sex when I was 15. And I think what became really clear for me at the very beginning was that what I was taught about sex and sexuality was so limited that, I mean, I didn't have comprehensive sex education. It was just like abstinence only. And um, getting into my first sexual relationship, I realized that there are a lot of things I didn't know and a lot of things I didn't understand. But it was so strange that it's like, you know, my parents and my church were telling me not to have sex, but everybody was having sex around me. So it was like, there's this push and pull of like, I shouldn't want it, but I really do. And everyone's talking about it, but I can't go there. And um, fast forwarding a few years of having like this push and pull and this like really complex relationship with sex, I realized getting into the relationship that I'm in now, when we started getting really serious and it was like one of the most positive and healthy relationships I ever, ever had. That's when I realized that the relationship I had with sex and all of this conditioning and all of these traumas and all Mm. of these doctrines that I was taught about sex were like really fucking with me. I think up until that point, I thought that like, oh, I'm just like, I'm just faking it till I make it. Like that's what everybody does, right? Like you just, you're supposed to just be confident even though you don't feel like you're confident and eventually you'll get there. And I realized like I'm faking something that isn't here because it can't be here because of the foundation that was set underneath me. And that foundation was shame. That foundation was trauma that I didn't really realize I had until I I was actually in this relationship. And so a few years after like having this realization that like, wow, I have a really fucked up sex life, you know, And, and not even just like with my partner, but with myself, I didn't feel like a whole sexual person. I started 
a very public journey on a blog chronicling my journey of sexual liberation and sexual healing and just trying to grapple with my sexual orientation and my gender and this relationship that I was in that I loved so much, Mm. but also was really difficult for me. And I noticed that when I was talking about this and writing about this in such a public way, folks were very like, wow, I I feel you. I, this is me, you know? I, yeah. I, I was getting a lot of messages and emails from people saying like, thank you so much for speaking your truth because I've never heard anyone talk about this before. And this was during the time where like, I mean, <laughs> I know that sex and sexual wellness is a big thing today, but even 10 years ago. Oh, absolutely I not. I mean, we just didn't have I mean, any you of had these Cosmo. things. Yeah. And I mean, how toxic. And uh, Playboy. Messaging. And I want to I want to touch on that for a second because it's so interesting because I grew up in what I would consider a toxically sex positive household. Hmm. And yet I walked away with the same messages that you did. Yeah, because culture as a whole feeds us this lie, right, about and and of course it was like my non-consensual early childhood sexual experiences. It was a whole bunch of stuff, right, that led me to these beliefs about like my body is not my own and it is to be mm-hmm. used by other people and not for my pleasure and you're now inherently dirty as a result and unpure and what all of that stuff, right? So right. I think that we're really like receiving these messages regardless. Yep of the environment in which we're raised just because as a whole, this is the undertone across the board. That's right. Yeah. I've, I've had lots of conversations with people who will be like, yeah, I I was raised in a really positive household about sex. Like I, I wasn't raised in purity culture and, you know, I was able to talk to my parents about sex openly. I didn't get the shame or the stigma or the trauma of sex, but yet they still have these, belief systems. They get in. I mean, they're mm-hmm. they're part of the media. They're a part of the things that we consume unconsciously. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, basically I started my journey from a place of wanting to divest from all of that, mm-hmm. like wanting to figure out what, what it was that was like wrong with me and also get to a place where sex felt like it was my own because mm-hmm. for the longest time it didn't. It felt like I was having sex or operating within my sexuality from a place of like what other people said that it should look like or what other people said that I should want. And so, yeah, you know, I started, I started talking about this really publicly. I started writing about it, got a lot of people that were really into it and felt a lot of resonance with it. And shortly after that, you know, folks started asking me like, well, I would love to take a workshop with you. Like, I want to learn from you. Can I buy a book? Can I work with you one-on-one? Is there a possibility for us to like, you know, learn from you? And I was very hesitant to do that because I'm like, I'm not an expert at all. But I said yes. And um, (laughs) 11 years later, you know, my work has really expanded to be so much more than just sex education. I mean, the work that I do as a sexuality doula is is not about just like educating folks. It's like guiding people by the hand into their own sexual awakening, mm-hmm. whatever that looks like for them. Um, yeah. And yeah, this work is, it's, it's really, it's so necessary. It's yeah. so necessary. I like that you said it's not about sex because as we begin to have these tough conversations online, um, I'm learning so much. And I know that you identify as asexual, Mm -hmm. which doesn't necessarily mean that you don't have sex. That's right. What you're saying is so interesting because 
well, yes, it can be about sex. It's really about your sexuality and who you are and knowing your body and knowing your desire and knowing what feels good and what doesn't and what you're wanting out of your sex life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I've been thinking about this a lot. I just turned 34 and I've been thinking a lot about all the many different ways that I've come out in my life <laughs> regarding sexuality and gender and orientation and um, even just feeling into my own body about Mm -hmm. those things. And when it comes to being asexual, you know, there's a lot of things that folks don't understand about that as an identity. I was just having a conversation about this for my own podcast about asexuality and acephobia. And there's a lot of misinformation, even for folks like me who, I mean, I've been a sex educator for almost 11 years and I'm still learning about what it looks like and what it means to be asexual. Mm. Because I think the narrative we have is that asexual people are sex repulsed. They hate sex. They'll never have sex. They don't want to have sex, whatever. And there's definitely folks who are asexual that have that experience. But not all ace people are sex repulsed. I have a really great sex life. I love having sex. Um, My desire and the way my desire shows up in my body is a lot different than most people. Like the perfect example of this is I was dating someone. Me and my partner have been in an open relationship for like eight years. And um, because of the results or because of the way that I work and because of the work that I do, this person, I think, felt like they had more access to my sexuality than they thought. (laughs) I think they thought like, oh, you do sex, you know, sex education and your sexuality doula. So your sex. I should have access to this. Right. And it's going to be easy. Like Mm -hmm. all I have to do is look at you or flirt Mm -hmm. with you or give you a kiss and like you will open your legs to me. And I I had to be very honest and say like, it's not like that. Like I need time. There's there's a nuance to my desire and a nuance to my libido. And if I don't feel safe with you, mm. because as well of, you know, my my traumatic sexual background, like I'm never going to open my legs to someone if I don't feel like they can um, respect me, see me and like slow the fuck down a little bit. I'm right there with you. <laughs> I think that I, well, I thought that I identified as asexual because I was in a monogamous relationship with a man for 10 years. And I had no desire to really have that much sex. (laughs) Turns out I'm just really gay. But I just didn't know that yet. (laughs) Um, And I was like working. We were figuring that out. Yeah. (laughs) I was working on it. And so I was like, maybe I'm just like asexual. And then I was finding myself being like, well, then I need more sex. Like the the thing that's going to fix this is more sex. And yep. then eventually I'll like sex. You know, no, that's not the case. And then I thought, well, maybe I'm like demisexual, right? Like where I really need that like emotional connection. And maybe the emotional connection's not there. But I'm like, but the emotional connection really is there in my relationship. And now I'm finding myself trying to like look for ways that it's not so I can like make an excuse. And now that we're in an open situation with my partner, I am having an interesting experience because I'm um, dating only women and um, it's, you know, a newer thing for me in my adult life because while, yes, I had been intimate with before my marriage, I got married when I was 20. So it's been a long time and I'm having this experience where I'm like, I'm realizing that I'm happy to have sex with someone and be a giver, but I, and I, and that's so fun for me and I love it, but I'm not open to receiving unless I have that 
like emotional intimacy with somebody. That makes sense. It's really complicated. I'm a complicated person. I mean, sex is complicated. I think we want to believe that sex is just like penis, vagina, there it is. There it is. You know, or like <laughs> you like him and he likes her and like it's and it just magic mm-hmm. happens. But it's not that simple, you know? And I think one of the reasons why I like these conversations about introducing asexuality into the picture, it's not about trying to indoctrinate people to come to a side. It's more so about like, there are different ways to experience sex. There are different ways of experiencing pleasure and intimacy and relationships. We live in a sex obsessed culture. It's like simultaneously sex negative as well as sex obsessed. And so this idea that we can be who we are and have positive relationships and beautiful moments of intimacy without sex being at the center, it's really liberating for me, but it also makes people really uncomfortable because we live in a society that says, if you are a healthy individual, you should be having sex and you should be having a lot of it. And if you're not having sex, if you have low libido or low desire, whatever that means to you, there's something wrong with you and let's push a pharmaceutical to get you on the other side. And I was there. Like when I was first starting to figure out who I was as a sexual person and I realized like, wow, I'm not having sex and I really want to have sex, but like, why can't I have sex? I was thinking about getting on Viagra. (laughs) I was thinking about like tantric breathing techniques Mm -hmm. that I could do. I was thinking about, there's this one thing that I thought about doing that I didn't end up doing because it was just going to be too taxing, but trying to like up the sexual context in my life. So watching porn like daily, like Mm -hmm. hourly, like all of these fucking things that I was trying to do to change myself and change the way that my body naturally responds to sex and sexuality. And so figuring out and like really reclaiming this notion that I'm asexual has been so liberating for me because it is, it's like, okay, now I can play by my rules. It's, it's not about what other people say my sexuality should look like, or my desire should look like. And what's interesting is that once I've opened myself up to embracing this part of myself and the nuances of my sexuality and desire, I'm having more sex because I don't have a lot of hangups or backstory about Mm -hmm. this is where I should be and why am I not there and let me do this. Relieving the pressure, Mm -hmm. taking that pressure off of the whole scenario Mm -hmm. and allowing yourself to get really clear on what your desire is. I ask my audience all the time to ask themselves two questions. Who am I and what do I want? Mm -hmm. Get very clear on that in every area of your life, whether it's work, your sexuality, your sex life, your relationships. I want everyone to get really clear on who they are and what they want Mm -hmm. out of any area of their life. Quick break from today's episode to talk to you guys about Upstart. What would you do if you didn't have high interest loans or credit card debt? With Upstart, you can pay off your existing debt quickly and easily and start living your life. If you're carrying credit card balances month after month, it may feel like you're in a never ending cycle of debt with no end in sight. Upstart can help you make that final payment so you can get ahead. Upstart is the fast and easy way to pay off your debt with a personal loan all online. Whether it's paying off credit cards, consolidating high interest debt, or funding personal expenses, over a million people have used Upstart to get one fixed monthly payment with a clear payoff date. Rather than looking at credit score alone, Upstart considers other factors like your income, current employment, and credit 
Credit History to find you a smarter rate for your loan. You can check your rate without impacting your credit score in minutes for loans between $1,000 to $50,000. You can even receive funds as fast as one business day after accepting your loan. Find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com slash reality. That's upstart.com slash reality. Don't forget to use our URL to let them know that we sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit, income, and certain other information provided in your loan application. That's upstart.com slash reality. Feeling your best starts with what you eat. Sakara helps you to not just eat healthy, but to truly enjoy it with chef-crafted, plant-rich meals that build a foundation for radiant health. Sakara is a nutrition company that focuses on overall wellness, starting with what you eat. Their organic, ready-to-eat meals are made with powerful plant-based ingredients and are designed to minimize your sugar cravings, boost your energy, improve your digestion, and get that skin glowing. Sakara's chef-crafted breakfasts, lunch, and dinners are backed by cutting-edge nutrition science to boost your health and stoke your glow. And it's delivered fresh to your door anywhere in the U.S. Along with delicious plant-rich meals, Sakara also offers daily wellness essentials like supplements and herbal teas to support your nutrition. Experience their best-selling Metabolism Super Powder and Metabolism Super bar to control sugar cravings, reduce bloating, boost energy, and reduce fatigue. Sakara has received rave reviews from Vogue, Goop, and the New York Times. Right now, Sakara is offering our listeners 20% off their first order when they go to sakara.com slash reality and enter code reality at checkout. That's sakara, S-A-K-A-R-A.com slash reality to get 20% off your first order. Sakara.com slash reality. Hey guys, I'm Kinsey from the I Love You So Much podcast. On my show, we talk about everything lifestyle, business, finance, beauty, you name it. My favorite part about the show is the amazing guests that we bring on. We have everyone ranging from like business experts to influencers, CEOs, creative masterminds. It's so much fun. If you guys want to find me on Instagram, it is just at Kinsey Elizabeth. I release new episodes every Thursday, so hope to see you there. You know, you had touched on the fact that you didn't receive any sexual education at all because you grew up in a very impurity culture yeah, and in the church. Um, and I don't know what's ha- more harmful, like the sex ed that I received in fifth grade <laughs> at school or, or not learning anything at all. I mean, let me be clear. I got the... This is what a penis is. This is what a <laughs> vagina is. This is what happens to make a baby. Like, I got those things, but I didn't get conversations about consent. I didn't get conversations about the different ways that sexual trauma can show up and look like. My first relationship, the reason why I'm so fucked up in so many ways is because I didn't get those conversations about consent. And I just thought that, like, sex is love. And if you love someone, you have sex with them. And if your partner says that they want to have sex with you and you say no, to be a good girlfriend, you say you yes. Be doing it. Exactly. Yeah. So there were a lot of things that I didn't get touched on. Another thing that I didn't get talked about, that didn't get talked about as well, was the idea that I, on my own, am a sexual being, that I don't need anybody else to try to enact that inside mm-hmm. of me. I don't need 
a sex toy or lube or lingerie to do that for me. Like I right here, right now, as I'm talking to you, I'm a sexual person. And like the idea that my sexual identity or this idea of like sexual agency and autonomy was never given to Mm. me. And so a lot of what I do in my work is like talking back to that scared younger version of myself that didn't get that kind of information and permission to really step into the fullness of their sexual power and their sexual expression. So yeah, I got sex education, but it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't comprehensive. It wasn't holistic, you know? And I received the same sex education and little did I know, you know, hindsight, looking back, like I was fully having sex with girls and I had no idea that we were having sex. Yeah. Isn't that something? I had no idea how to have <laughs> safe sex. I had no idea nope. that what we were doing was sex. I, I had zero clue because it was very much so, yeah, like penis enters, vagina, penetration, end of story. Yeah. And that's what sex is. You had touched for a second on um, physical touch and intimacy without actually having sex. And I think that that is so important and I'm craving that in my primary relationship. And I didn't really realize that I was missing it until we opened up our marriage and I started having intimacy with women. And I realized that like, I really need touch. Mm. (laughs) It's so hard because I'm with a primary partner who does not like touch at all. And, um, you know, but I was like craving that. And so recently I came to him and I said, you know, I'm experiencing these feelings, these blissful moments with my other partner where we're just holding each other. And it feels so, it's making me feel really secure in that relationship. And it feels really good in my body. And Mm. like, I'm craving that from you too. How do you think that we can achieve a little bit of this? I know it's not comfortable for you, but like a little bit of this. And it's been such a game changer. He makes an effort. We're in separate bedrooms. We just always have been. We don't sleep well together. He snores like a bear. It's awful. (laughs) (laughs) And I also like need my own space. I really do need my own sacred space. And he comes in in the morning now a couple of times a week and he'll crawl into bed and he'll big spoon me and we'll just lay there. And it's like bliss for me. And Mm. I had no idea. I'm like, how have I gone the last 20 years or however long it's been like not feeling this? Like I feel almost sad for the fact that like I was missing this in my life. Yeah, that's that's huge. I think what you're touching on is the importance of knowing what you need in order to feel safe and the ability to soften with your partner. You know, that's that's come up a lot for me and my partner as well. I've been thinking a lot about like, what do I need in moments of intimacy, even before, like way before the sex happens? Mm -hmm. Like, what do I need in order for me to feel safe, in order for me to feel good with my partner? And like, sex is a possibility, you know? Sometimes it turns into that. Yeah, sometimes. This morning it turned into that. And it was beautiful and wonderful, but... Mm -hmm you know, but not always. Yeah. 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 I think there, I think what I want to challenge people to do, and I do this with my clients sometimes when they are in this, like this vicious cycle of being like, we're not having enough sex. I'm beating myself up for not having enough sex. People tell me that I should be having sex. Do I hate my partner? I'm just going to have sex anyway. And then it, 
that feels like it's a violation to their body, um, which is something that I've done quite a lot, like having sex, saying yes to sex that I would really rather say no to. Um, one thing that I tell them is like, take sex off the table and explore different ways that you can be sexually intimate with each other. Not even just sexually intimate, but like physically intimate, intimate. Yeah. with each other without penetration, without mm -hmm. sex, without orgasm even. I've even told people like, how about you guys like have, like do all the things other than penetration and then like don't have an orgasm and see what that feels like, you know? Like again, we live in such a sex obsessed world as well as a world that tells us like successful sex equals orgasm. And I don't believe that to be true. No, and it almost strips, it's so much pressure, it strips the pleasure from the experience right. when you have that pressure to both finish mm -hmm. rather than just making the goal to pleasure each other for as long as possible. Yeah, and explore each other's bodies. Yes. That's what sex is about, you know? I think yeah. we've we've gotten into this mindset that sex is supposed to be big and loud and, you know, boisterous. But, like, what if sex could be, and, I mean, this is something that might be weird to folks, but, like, what if sex could be, like, you holding your partner's hand and putting all of your presence into the feeling and the warmth of their hand in your hand? Yeah. And like having that moment where you are breathing together. Like I've had some really important and beautiful expressions of physical intimacy with my partner that have nothing to do mm -hmm. with genitals. Yeah. And it's really deepened our intimacy and has allowed us to explore ways that we can connect with each other that don't include sex. Because the other thing that comes up for folks is that they feel that sex is the only way that they can connect with their partner. It's like the only way that they can mm -hmm. like really communicate and have these moments of intimacy with each other. And I mean, life is busy, you know, I'm working a, a ton and sometimes like I just don't really feel like having sex because I'm tired. <laughs> so what I like to explore is like, okay, so maybe sex is off the table for us, like penetrative sex is off the table for us tonight, but like, let's just naked cuddle. Yeah. Let's make out. Like, making out is so fucking sexy, you know? I believe that, like, for me, as I've unpacked and continue to unpack and really step into, like, what my desire is, I realize that I will say that it's mainly come from this newer relationship that I'm in that, like, oral stimulation for me, like, can do that for me. Like, I can, like, fully climax from oral stimulation and physical touch. Yeah. Without any penetration whatsoever. Yeah. I've. It's so interesting that you're bringing this up because I've been thinking about this over the last couple of days. I've been noticing as, I think it's, be, it's coming up because of me coming out as asexual and thinking about how touch is so important for me, mm -hmm. not just because, and before I thought it was like, oh, I, I like to give touch and that's sort of like a, a remnant of all the indoctrination I got in terms of like, to be a good wife, you have to mm -hmm. service your man. But I'm realizing the reason why I love to touch my partner is because it helps me to get in my body. Like when I have physical contact with someone else, it's like I, I'm better able to drop out of my head and into my body and feel like, oh, wow, this... This is what it feels like for me to be touching someone. And this is what it feels like for me to be feeling my partner's skin. And like that opens up a lot of like pleasure centers for me. Like it, it's a really sensual experience. And I talk a lot about sensuality in my work because I think it's, I think it's so, so important. We don't talk about that enough. 
You guys know that I am such a strong advocate for getting your mental health needs taken care of. And with BetterHelp, they make it easy and accessible for all people to do so. Is there something that's preventing you from achieving your goals? What interferes with your happiness? BetterHelp is here to help you figure out what those blocks are that are keeping you from living your optimal life. This is not a crisis line and it's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. Send a message to your counselor anytime. You'll get a timely and thoughtful response. Plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions all without ever having to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room. BetterHelp is so committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches. So they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. The service is available for clients worldwide. Find the particular expertise that you need online and don't limit yourself to the counselors located near you. Anything you share is confidential, confident, professional, and affordable. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. I want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com recovering. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash recovering. The shift that began to happen as I began to slow down and stop doing basically essentially performative sex and switching into pleasurable sex was that I realized that sex for me is like such a spiritual experience. Mm. It literally is magic. And when I am in the act of having sex now, I am so grounded and rooted in my body and I'm so in tune with their body Mm. and I can tell what's going on in their bodies and I can now read their body language in a way that I could have never done before. Yeah. Doing this work. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of us don't have that kind of bodily awareness when Mm -hmm. it comes to our bodies when we're having sex. And it makes sense. You know, sometimes sex happens really fast and a lot of us are in our heads when we are having sex. So it's really magical when you can figure out how to drop out of that heady overthinking space and just be in the moment, you know, and it takes a lot of practice. It takes a lot of work. I want to get to a couple of listener questions. I know we're probably running short on time because I know when we're hitting 45 and we're approaching it. So we covered being asexual. We talked a little bit about being demisexual, right? Which is needing that emotional connection pursue. And I I actually want to know your your thoughts on this. So when I came out, I got a lot of pushback from the LGBTQ community Hmm. because they were insisting that I had to identify as bisexual, despite Hmm. the fact that my connection with Evan is really, for me, a soul connection. It's not about his gender. It's about just the fact that, like, I know we're meant to do life together. But outside of Evan, I'm not sexually attracted to men. And so I got a lot of pushback about that. And then I was like, well, maybe I'll just identify as pan to like, please everybody. (laughs) And I was like, but I don't really fucking align with that. So now I'm like, no, I'm just gay. And you guys, it's like umbrella, like I'm gay, queer, however you want to put it. What are your thoughts? I personally feel like sexuality is 
such a spectrum. I know gold star lesbians who have had thoughts about possibly sleeping with men. I know gold star lesbians who went on to go have fun with men for a couple of months. I know if you don't know what a gold star lesbian is, it's if you've never been with a man before. And I hate the fact that that's even like a fucking title. Like it's just so like, I think sexuality is so fluid. And while I understand the need for labels, I also am at the point where I'm like, I want to do with all the fucking labels because Everything is fluid. Yeah, labels flatten us, you know? I mean, they they create, they help us create community. They help us find community, but they also flatten us. I believe that we all contain multitudes. Mm-hmm. Um, and as, as much as it, it's great for me to claim a term like asexual or queer or non-binary, it doesn't really get to the root of who I am. And it doesn't really take into account, like, the, the flexibility, the mutability of everything that I am. And so for folks who have something to say about you saying that you're gay, I mean, fuck them. You oh, know? I very much so feel fuck them. But um, <laughs> I just think it's an important conversation that we're starting to have. And it's what's interesting is I know lots of gay men who have sex with women yeah. and who love eating pussy, which yeah. is really interesting. And you never think, you know, they're not gay. Yeah, I think labels are a lot more mutable than than we give them credit for. And I want for us to give ourselves space to move and be flexible within those labels, depending on the day, depending on what stage of life we're mm-hmm. in. I don't want, like, if I may identify as asexual or queer or non-binary today, but in five years or tomorrow, I might be like, mm-hmm. no, I'm, I'm none of those things. Being in a woman-loving woman relationship right now, there are some days where I'm like, I'm very much so femme, period. And then, you know, and I think for me, gender and stepping into more femininity or masculinity is really, it just goes day by day. Like sometimes I feel like I'm very much so like in my masculine feeling you know, and that's who I want to be for that day. And I think it's interesting because my my partner, who is very much so like androgynous, but leans towards more of like the masculine energy wise in our relationship, sometimes gets like thrown off by that. <laughs> and I'm like, I know this is not what you're used to, but literally it does. It changes day by day for me. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. I would say that that's actually normal. <laughs> yeah, I would too. I think we're just so programmed to believe like that we have to be in one category or another Mm -hmm. and we don't right the most common question was I don't want to have sex that much and my partner wants to have sex multiple times a day what do I do wow 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 what a question I'm giving this response because like I hear this a lot as well and um you know one thing that I think is really important for folks who have mismatched libidos is um, understanding, one, that, like, it's not a death sentence. Like, there are other ways that you can be intimate with each other, as we've talked about, that don't involve sex. I also think that it's important to be honest with yourself about what you need in your sexual relationship. One thing that I see a lot in the work that I do with clients is that they say that they don't know who they are or what they want sexually, but that's only because they haven't really given themselves permission to go there. And so like, I always want to give people permission to be curious about like, okay, if you could have it your way, like, and your partner was totally down, how many times would you have sex in a day? 
or a week or a month. Like, just be really honest with yourself about that. And to not come to any conclusions about that, but just to sort of like take the lay of the land of like what you need. And that might change. Mm -hmm. And that might absolutely change. And especially for people with uteruses who have monthly cycles, that's changing a lot. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I would say, you know, get really honest with yourself about what it is you need. And then once you're honest with yourself, it's time to be honest with your partner as well. Um, And I don't think that these conversations have to be serious or drab. I don't think it has to be like we have to end our relationship because we have mismatched um, levels of desire. But I do think that what's important, if I were to give like just one quick tip of of advice for this, is to not have sex when you don't want to. I think yeah, that that... It is very traumatizing. It's really traumatizing. our and our bodies. Yeah, it, it really does a number. It's like our bodies want to open up and be sexual, but it's like, well, wait, you've been violating me and violating my signals to like know or to slow down. Mm-hmm. How can I possibly be in this space with my partner? So I would say first and foremost, commit to no longer saying yes to sex that you would really rather say no to. Include your partner in with that. Like say, listen, I've done a really bad job of taking care of my sexual self. Like I have felt a lot of pressure to be someone I'm not or to match a level of libido that I just don't have. And so I'm making a pact with myself and with you. I would love for you to hold me accountable to me being able to say no. Now that's a little tricky if you're in a relationship with someone who you don't feel safe to say no to. And again, that's more information for you. If you listening to me say like, hey, you need to tell your partner that you're not going to say yes to sex that you don't want to have. And you're like, fuck, my partner's going to be really pissed Mm -hmm. or he's going to break up with me or she's not going to whatever, whatever. She's going to shame me. That's really good information for you to think about. Is this someone that you want to be with? You know, there's so much. There's so much I could say. Of course. The second most common was I have X, Y, or Z fetish. Is there something wrong with me? No, there's nothing wrong with you. (laughs) I I mean, as long as long the caveat, as long as it doesn't involve involve hurting somebody else, hurting somebody else, safe, consensual, exactly, it doesn't matter. Exactly. Um, You know, I think a lot of women, especially, have experienced sexual assault, and I think that it makes us question a lot of the times. Like, I have plenty of fucking weird kinks and I often find like do I like that because that person did that to me Mm. and I'm re-traumatizing myself or do I really just like that yeah and I think that sometimes we're so afraid of the darkness and of the shadow and and you know when something like that happens to you you're automatically going to start questioning everything Mm -hmm. and my answer is always the same as long as you're having safe sex and consensual sex and you feel safe it's okay. Yeah. And also our erotic imaginations are wild. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to do something that is bad. No. I mean, I I hear this all the time. A lot of the clients that I've worked with are sexual assault survivors and they'll beat themselves up for having rape fantasies. And I'm like, you don't want rape to happen to you. You want that feeling of being taken by someone. Like there's there's consent with that. Like what you crave is consensual. It's a real big difference, you know? So I think it's important to remember that like our erotic imaginations are wild. We don't pick our kinks. They just sort of fall into our laps. And it's important for us to give ourselves space to explore that and to not have any shame. And of course, like if you have any doubts, like do some Googling on the internet 
internet. I'm sure you will find a group, a podcast, a book that talks about your specific (laughs) kink that will make you feel less alone. Yeah, absolutely. And then the last question is, and I've been getting a lot of this since coming out, is how do I know if I'm bi or if I'm gay or, you know... Well, are you attracted to people <laughs> who are of the same gender as you? Yeah. And My question say. is like, if you're even thinking about this, then the answer is probably. Yeah. I mean, I give I give that same answer to people who are like, how do I know if I'm trans or how do I know if I'm non-binary? It's like, well, if you're even thinking about gender, there's probably a good, yeah, it's probably a good indication that you are not cis, you know? So <laughs> I remember that one of the first um, partners that I had when we opened up, we had had amazing sex and after she looks up at me and she goes you're really gay and I go I know and it feels so good (laughs) I think I just you know it's like I just needed to go for it like I knew I've like I said I've had lots of um you know gay sexual experiences so I knew but I just I needed to just like welcome it, allow it, accept it, come to terms with it, unpack it, be with it, sit in it, the scariness of it, the heaviness of it, the bliss of it, like all of the things that come with that. And I think that there is absolutely a spectrum of those feelings and it's not just in our sexuality, but in our sex life and in our sensuality, it's like there is always a large spectrum of feelings that come with all of these things. Mm-hmm, that's and right. our job is to sit with them and be with them and hold space for them and explore them. And, you know, my friend Angel says, you can go to the basement, but don't go to the basement without a friend and a flashlight. Hmm. And I'm just so grateful that you're like the internet's friend and flashlight for them while they're exploring (laughs) those deep parts of themselves. Mm. And I know oftentimes when we're in the depths of that, it can be really scary. And, um, and I think that the work that you're doing is incredible. Thank you. Um, so where can everybody follow along with you? Uh, many places. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at evian.whitney. Um, I have a podcast as well called Sensual Self. You can find that everywhere. I also have a book coming out called Sensual Self, um, which is about sensuality. It's a guided journal that folks can work through to identify what gives them pleasure. And yeah, my website, evianwhitney.com is, is also a space you can find me. Perfect. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. This week's affirmation is, I am worthy of love and affection. And so it is. If you enjoyed this week's episode, do me a favor, follow along with us, leave a review. It means so much to me. There are new episodes of Recovering From Reality every Monday, and you can follow me on social at Recovering From Reality or visit my website, recoveringfromreality.com. 